Coaches, welcome to this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. We're excited to share a new sponsor for this season, Watch Game Film. The simple way to watch, exchange, and manage game film. We understand that ease of use is paramount to productivity, so our platform provides you and your team with the right video solution so you can focus on the game you love. Our intuitive player includes instant replay, slow motion, play loop, rewind, and more. Plus, our platform includes video telestration and commenting features, enabling you to convey clear coaching points to your staff and athletes. When it comes to sharing and trading film, our Excel platforms offers many ways to exchange with your friends, conference, or opponents, even if they're using other film management systems. Plus, we make it easy to communicate with your own team with the ability to message user groups, individual teams, or even contacts outside your team. We know the importance of highlight reels for athletes and recruiters. A highlight tool allows athletes and teams to create the ultimate highlight reel and show their talent to the world. So what about costs? Our packages start at just $100 a year or 50 bucks per season for on-screen and in-text. That includes unlimited film and unlimited users. Our mission is to help coaches and athletes succeed without forcing them to spend limited funds on overpriced software. Ready to get started? Go to watchgamefilm.com. Again, that's watchgamefilm, all one word, .com to discover how watching and exchanging and managing film can be both simple and affordable. This episode is sponsored by GameStrat. If you're in the need of a sideline replay system, look no further than GameStrat. GameStrat has the fastest sideline replay system on the market and they provide 24-7 customer support. Their systems can be used for multiple sports like football, basketball, and volleyball. Bottom line, making in-game adjustments equals winning more games. Go check out GameStrat on Twitter at GameStrat or on the web at www.gametimestrategy.com. We'd also like to mention a new sponsor of the podcast this year, Just Play Solutions. I know most of you know about Just Play and how they can take your game preparation to the next level. From scout cards to player quizzing to installs, Just Play provides coaches with football playbook and game planning tools to prepare faster and engage with today's athlete. Make it a party to check out Just Play this offseason before your league opponents do. Visit www.justplaysolutions.com. Sign up for a free demo and let them know we sent you. All right, welcome to the Mesh Point Podcast. Tonight we have uh, Bart, Coach Bart Curtis. He's the head coach of Warsaw High School out in Indiana. Coach, how you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing well. How about you? Well, we're doing good. We're, we're certainly glad to, to have you tonight. And uh, why don't you go ahead and kick us off and start us, uh, start us on your journey, how you got to Warsaw, maybe your background, fill us in on uh, where you played and how long you've coached. Well, Matt, um, I, I just finished my second season at Warsaw, and it's kind of a funny story. I was at Mishawaka for 10 years, and uh, my son, my oldest son, graduated from Ohio University where he played and got a teaching and coaching job at Warsaw High School. And then in the, uh, oh, it would have been December of 2017, he sent me a text about mid-morning, said, hey, we're meeting as a staff and the team. He said, I, th- I think Coach Jensen is going to uh, retire. And uh, so Coach Phil Jensen, who I've known for 25 years, great guy, uh, had been at Warsaw twice, uh, stepped down. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. Uh, we had some talks. 
my son was already down there. And next thing you know, February of 2018, I get approved to be the, the head coach at uh, Warsaw Community High School. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's been a good, uh, a good two years, a lot of fun. Uh, I often tell people, you know, it's great coaching your kid, but it's, it's, it's at a different level when you get to coach with your kid. Um, and then, of course, I was at Mishawaka High School in Mishawaka, Indiana for 10 years. Prior to that, New Prairie High School, which is where, Tony, I don't know if you were at East Bay when New Prairie used to play East Bay in the scrimmage and uh, North Tonawanda from New York would come out. And there were some, there were some really good scrimmages back at the Indiana Option Camp. Um, I was, was there like – Oh, yeah. Yeah. The there cavemen. Was a, you guys had the best mascot coach, the cavemen, you know? We did. We did. We did. Uh, prior, I was at New Prairie 11 years. Prior to that, I was a head coach at uh, McConaughey High School in central Indiana for six. Um, and I was at, prior to that, I was assistant at New Prairie one year. That's where I actually had my first teaching job. Uh, defensive coordinator at South Bend, Washington for four years. And then my first year coaching back in 1985, I was uh, D-line coach and wide receivers coach at South Bend LaSalle High School. So graduated at Northwood High School in 1980. Um, was fortunate enough that they gave me a uniform and I was part of that team and uh, was able to participate in a uh, state championship game in the fall of 1980. And uh, it's been a neat venture for sure, to say the least. And if I make it to August 3rd, it'll be my 36th season uh, in football as a coach, 30th as a head coach, um, but I take it a day at a time. Well, Coach, that's, uh, that's a story past. That's awesome. And you've obviously coached on both sides of the ball there. Uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about coaching with your son. What, 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 you know, what's that like? And, uh, well, for me, it's a great deal. I don't know if he would say the same thing. <laughs> Um, you know, he, I know he feels the first year, he, you know, he's, he's an old line guy. So he played in the flex bone. He was coached by two incredible guys. Uh, Mike Buckman, I'm sure you remember Buckman Buddha and, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and JD chase. So he had two really great old line coaches. So he learned from some of the best, uh, Brian Williamson before that at New Prairie his freshman year. So he, he, he kind of, had a good grasp of the offense, particularly the old line play. So the first year, 2018, he did all the, the grunt work, the breaking the things down, uh, what he felt like would be good against various fronts. Um, and he probably called 50% of the plays, but when it came to third and short, fourth and short or whatever, uh, I would stick my nose in there. This year, I'm pleased to say he became the official offense coordinator, and I, I, I backed off, and I would say I'm probably ninety, uh, probably ninety-five to ninety-seven percent of the plays are, are come from him. Now they they go through my headset, so uh, I, you know, if if there's something that doesn't sound quite right, I'm. I have all of a sudden become a pass happy coach on the, on the staff, you know, <laughs> I'll see some in the secondary and I want to take a shot. I don't know if it's because I'm bored or what. And then I'll hear over the headsets. No, dad, no, no. 
can't do that. No, <laughs> keep running. We're getting four yards of crack. You know that. Good. Yeah. But uh, it has been as much fun or more fun than anybody could ever imagine. Um, you know, every day is a staff meeting. I'm blessed to have a great group of coaches at uh, Warsaw Community, and uh, we're a school of about 2,100 kids. We play in the largest classification in Indiana um, and won our school's first sectional in the school's history this year, which was really neat. Big time. But seven of our nine varsity coaches are actually in the building. So, you know, I, I do attendance and I have a pseudo uh, assistant principal in his classroom. He teaches English is right down the hall. So uh, at least – Three times a day, we're, we're talking ball for, you know, even if it's five minutes, you know, or whatever. But uh, uh, like I said, we got a great group of coaches um, at Warsaw, and it, it's just been a, a lot of fun coaching with with Michael. Yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. I wanted, I wanted to ask you, mentioning the, the, the number of people that you have on staff in the building, you know, teachers on staff and, and whatnot, like, can you maybe talk a little bit about, like, why, why that's so important to you guys' success and, and, and maybe how um, it, it helps out, uh, you know, the school as a whole. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of just down here uh, just experiencing the exact opposite where it seems like the, the society nowadays principals don't want to hire coaches. You know what I mean? Sure. You know, sure. uh, I, I hate that. Well, we were spoiled at Mr. Walker as well. We had uh, uh, eight, eight of the nine guys were in the building. Uh, maybe even nine of the nine. Uh, no, one was at the junior high. And we all had last hour prep, which was nice. So we could meet if we needed to. We could have practice ready to go. Um, any questions before we hit the field, there was, you know, everything was solved. Warsaw has kind of made that commitment as well, too. Um, I was able to bring one of my former quarterbacks with me, Evan Fraz, who uh, – teaches history at Warsaw, um, and he's our quarterback and fullback coach. Uh, but just having all, all the guys, we have a staff of 15, um, several of which are volunteers, some are split stipend, and that includes grades 9 through 12. We had 45 freshmen this year and probably 75 in the top three. Um, but just the day-to-day -day operations of – not having to take everything on yourself and being able to delegate things um, and not have to wait till three o'clock, maybe till a guy gets off work. And I've got some great, great lay coaches too. Don't get me wrong that there we'd be in trouble without our guys that were non-teachers, but I think you can get a better pulse on the kids. Our kids can't walk, turn a corner in the hallway without running into a football coach. Right. Um, so I just think that helps your overall operation. It helps with your off-season stuff, with, uh, you know, the eligibility. Many, many of our kids also play uh, – uh, they either wrestle or play basketball, and then they do track or baseball in the spring. And several of my football coaches, uh, my defense coordinator, Chris Hubers, uh, the head wrestling coach, my other O-line coach, Brady Jones, is his assistant in wrestling. My quarterback coach, Evan Fraz, is on the basketball staff. My linebacker's coach is the head track coach. Um, so you can see kind of how that just bodes so well where 
not only do the kids go from sport to sport, the coaches do, and it allows us to keep a better handle and a grip on, on the kids. And plus, they're competing. There's nothing like competing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Coach, just want to go back to question number two real quick. Well, yeah, Coach, um, you know, you, you talked about your stops along the way. Maybe talk about a guy you've kind of leaned on as a mentor, uh, maybe to guide you through the years and, and maybe help you with some hard decisions. Oh, that that's a, a great question. I've, I've got three guys that really – I don't have one, but there are three guys that I talk to before I make a major decision. Uh, one was the guy that really gave me my – First break, and that's Scott Bovenkirk, and he's out of coaching now, but he's still involved in our association. And uh, he kind of showed me the ropes in between 1986 and 1989 and kind of gave me a template for what a football program should look like and how it should be run on a day-to-day -day basis and how to make tough decisions and how to stick to your guns and how to circle the wagons. Those are the things that he really – really showed me. And he gave me an opportunity to coach. I was green. I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, basically he said, hey, you just start coaching. I'll let you know when you mess it up. And he did. But the, the beauty of it is he'd give me another chance that I'd be allowed to, uh, uh, you know, in, in, as, as, he, as his trust in me improved, uh, my um, responsibilities also improved. And, you know, that was, a, that was a valuable learning tool. Of course, you know, at that time, I, I hadn't finished my teaching license yet. He's the guy that said, before you coach another down, you are going to go back and finish your teaching license, which he made me do, and I did. So I, I, I told somebody, I spoke at our state clinic last weekend, and one of the things I said was, you know, if it weren't for him, I wouldn't be standing up here talking to you right now, and I mean that. And then probably the second guy, Tony, I know you remember him, uh, Bob Bridge from North Miami High School. I was ready. I took on a head coaching job before I was probably ready in 1991. I was 27 years old. I'd been an assistant for six years and thought I had a couple answers to football. Inherited a great group of talented players and won a conference championship my first year as a head coach. So I've got this whole thing figured out, you know. Just, yeah. Well, when you run the I formation and you're down to your third tailback by your third game, um, that will show you whether or not it was you had something to do with that or it was the kids that had something to do with that. But by 1993, I was ready to – I went through a two-and-seven season. I was ready to uh, go a different direction. I had written up my resignation letter a couple times and – Bob and I had breakfast together every Saturday morning. We did a radio show, Bob Prescott, Bob Bridge, and, and Bart. So we would meet, and after we got beat and he knew our season was over, he said, hey, we're going to play a long time. You are more than welcome to come to any of our practices or all of them or none of them, whatever you want to do. So I had last hour prep. I was, in, I was teaching at that time. And I was able to get out of there a little early, drive the 20 minutes to North Miami from McConaughey, and get a bird's eye view of how Bob ran things. 
And not only did that change how I looked at football offensively, it changed how I did things and how I thought about things as a program. He kind of showed me, you know, Bo showed me the organizational side, the tough decision-making side. I think Bob Bridge probably showed me what it means to fully not only just commit, but live the life of a football coach and question everything and don't put the thing down until you're, you know, you know, it's right. And you know, it's how you want it. And that, and then in 94, we went to the wishbone and, you know, been run some form of flex bone or wishbone since 1994. Um, and, and still have a, a great friendship with Bob. And then the third guy is probably Bill Sharp. And when I went back to New Prairie, in 1997, he was a legendary coach at Jimtown High School and had won consecutive state championships. My first game against him, they beat us 71-6. to It could have been worse. But I think his wisdom and his way of looking at things, he kind of showed me that not – getting so caught up in the things that are important as a coach because I used to, you know, if a kid's hair wasn't above his ears and, you know, if he didn't have his shoulders back and his chest out and everything just right, you know, and, and, and Bill kind of showed me there's a different way to skin a cat and uh, uh, really opened my eyes to uh, being more of a player's coach and, trying to utilize the talent that we have versus, okay, always sticking a round peg into a square hole. But, but his kind of wisdom and, and uh, you know, I rely on him. I talk to him every couple of weeks now, you know, I uh, had a situation with a job a couple of weeks ago and, you know, he was very uh, helpful in, in, in making that, helping me make that decision to stay at Warsaw high school. So uh, I would say that, not to elongate your question, Matt, but I would say there's not in 36 years there's not one guy, but there I would say those three have had the biggest impact on me. Oh, coach, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, when I've got to make you know a tough decision, I don't typically call one guy either. So, you know, there's been different guys that have sort of shaped us all, right? So, I'm with you, and that was a good story because uh, I mean, there's times where. You don't know the answer, right? You're either early in your career and you have no clue what the right one is or, you know, a tough decision gets brought up and you're maybe not exactly prepared. Hey, let me call a guy that's been down these roads before and can help. <coughs> or, or at least give me some information to make an informed decision on my own. So absolutely, really important. Really important. One of the things I remember, I had, I had a player that I was really struggling with, whether I should keep him, you just was one of those kids that's difficult to coach. And I picked up the phone. I talked to Bill Sharp, and he asked me two things. He goes, can he help you win? I said, well, yes, he, he can help us win immediately. Is he a bully in the locker room? And I said, no, he's not. So he just does some things that kind of annoy you. I said, yeah, that's basically it. He goes, Bart, I can't tell you what to do, but I think you'd be a damn fool not to keep that kid. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. He says if he's a bully in the locker room or he's a thief, you got to get rid of him. Other than that, you'd be creative in ways to make him see things your way. Right. Man, that's 
that's great you guys people you can lean on like that I mean we all need people like that that's for sure hey coach uh, let's talk about um, uh, some football now a little bit uh, as far as okay. uh, uh, talk to us about Warsaw triple option what it looks like and uh, why you run it and how you run it and then kind of how it evolved over the years I know you talked a little bit about being in the wishbone um, are you still in the wishbone and you know we're not we, we lined up in it a couple snaps in 2018 just to run a power play on the goal line. But we are strictly Navy, Army, Georgia Tech-ish, uh, true flex bone. Um, and it has evolved, even since Mishawaka. Some of the things we're doing now are different than maybe how we did them 10 years ago even. Um, some of the plays I'll talk about that, that have become bigger parts of our offense. You know, we, we have a camp uh, – TMT camp, triple midline toss. And I, and I spoke on this at Glacier. You know, we call it the big three. Well, when you break it down at Warsaw, those really aren't the big three. Triple's still our number one play, which is inside beer. Midline was actually our fourth most called player, fifth. And then rocket toss was sixth. So the ones that were in there prior to that, maybe it was fourth and fifth. Zone dive and fullback dive have become huge parts of our offense. Um, and, and, you know, coming to Warsaw, you know, they knew what they were getting. You know, it wasn't like uh, they were expecting something else. In fact, I, there was a couple moms that were moms of wide receivers that were very concerned uh, at first. And, uh, you know, hopefully those those fears have been alleviated with our ability to move the ball. Um, first year, I'm not going to lie to you, Tony, it was ugly the first three or four games. The ball was everywhere except where it was supposed to be. And then we got a little better and a little better year one. And then this year, we were we were very productive offensively uh, uh, running the flex bone offense. We're in a lot of unbalanced, does two things for us, gets an additional lineman on the field, and gets an average blocking receiver off the field, uh, allows us to, to make the defense declare their strength. You know, if you got a three-man surface and a two-man surface uh, and a split on on one side or the other, I feel like a defense has got to put somebody a B-gap to that three-lineman side or you're going to have a, a pretty good day running the fullback in B-gap. Just my personal thoughts. No, you're right. One of the things we've done probably – the the biggest change is we 10, 12 years ago, we rarely, if ever, got the ball pitched. We get the ball pitched a whole lot more now than we have at any time running this offense. Probably because our teaching progression now, instead of making starting easy and and then working out to some more difficult reads, we go one and two on the line right now and by the second or third day of practice, we are we want our kids to get confident reading one, pitching off two when they're coming at him, and then everything else seems to be a whole lot easier from there. Um, I think we've also gotten a whole lot better at understanding what the halfbacks' responsibilities are on the perimeter. Um, we have different ways which we can block triple option. Um, you know, one of the rules that, that may or may not be a big deal to people is we feel like if our play side tackle 
can block the inside linebacker, albeit moving his split out, backing off the ball a little bit, uh, doing whatever he needs to do to get a, an easy release on number one. We feel like regardless of how many safeties there are, if the play side tackle can pick off the inside play side B, you can switch the perimeter and it gives you an extra blocker. I think that's something that's helped us a little bit. Being more formation aware has really helped us. Uh, and what I mean by that is we will spend, you know, we meet like everybody does. I, I hate meeting on Sundays, but you have to do it. At least we feel like we do. Yeah. We get yeah. all our work done Saturday evenings, Sunday mornings. Then we come to the meeting prepared. But one of the things we do is we sit down and we try to look at what formations give us a chance to run triple against the front we think we're going to see. And then we work from there. Okay, well, how can we run two-man veer? How can we run midline? What can we do with our pieces that will – how can we maneuver our pieces on the offensive side of the ball – that make them line up in a favorable front for us to run our base offense. Um, and that's kind of the fun of it, too. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think that's helped us is I've been a little more open-minded about understanding, like, we had a really good fullback, and he's back next year, be back fullback. Getting him the ball when the defense says he's not carrying the ball. We've had to really work hard at that, and I think we're getting better at that every year. Um, so those are, those are some things, I think, really that have evolved for us offensively. Um, we still want to, you know, a perfect game for us would be in baseball, it's what? No, no hits, no errors, nobody reaches base. Right. For us, a perfect game is no punts, no passes. We <laughs> haven't hit that yet. Yeah. We, we We've had some with no punts. We've had some with no passes. We haven't had a combination of both yet. But uh, we still believe that, you know, if the fullback or the quarterback can get you three yards and, and we can get to a fourth and two, fourth and one scenario from anywhere on the field, we're going to we're going to go for it and, 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 and use up our down on fourth down, snapping the ball instead of punting the thing. So – that's that's helped us a lot too. I don't know. Was that what you were looking for, Coach? Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Coach. Um, do you coach a position? Don, you're the head coach, and so do you coach a position yourself? I don't. Um, and I, I tell you, by having the staff that I have at Warsaw and at Mishawaka, and it, now I, I say that. But I'm where the action is. And the guys always tease me. In 18, they said I was a defensive coach because we're better on defense than O. <laughs> this year, they said I was an offensive coach because the offense was a little better. But I'll try, what I'll try and do is the things that I feel are we struggled with the week before or the drills that I really know are the nut cutters, are the bread and butter of things that must go, those are the drills that I'll be involved in. Then during individual time, um, I'll move around. Like if, if uh, uh, our halfback coach uh, has a job outside of football, so I might take the halfbacks for a few minutes till he gets there. Or our split-end coach is a minister, so he's a non-teaching coach. So 
you know, it might be a situation where during SOS, those guys have, have said, hey, we're not going to be there till 3.30 and practice starts at 3.15. I'll take those guys. Um, and then I generally make my way down to the defense and, uh, uh, you know, go through, I'll spend five minutes with the D-line, five minutes with the linebackers, five minutes with the secondary or whatnot. But then I think what this does, it allows you, and, and being head coach, as you guys know what I mean, it allows you to run the program. Um, the most important thing to me, if practice starts at 315, the most important thing to me at 310 is getting to practice and making sure everything is on time and ready to go. But to that mom who just checked her son's grades and he's got two Fs and she's standing outside my office at 310, me getting to practice on time ain't the most important thing. Right. You know what I mean? Her yeah. son's grades are the most important thing. So there might be 15 minutes where I got to talk to her, call the teachers, set up a plan to get this kid back on track. And it's nice to know that I've got such quality guys that can just run the program whether I'm there or not. So it, it is, it's beneficial. Now, one thing I want to add to that, a couple things I'm really adamant about. I chart tackles, okay? It makes me do a couple things. It makes me watch every snap eight to 11 times. Right. It, it makes me count loafs and changes the speed by our defense. And then what I'll do is I'll spend the majority of my time on Saturday morning with the defense. And then Sunday night, our offense will meet from four till they're done. Defense will meet as coaches from six till they're done, which allows me to be in both places uh, other than for one hour. Right. You know, I was talking to a coach uh, just the other day about this. We live in the generation now of uh, huddle breakdown. So oh, yeah. These, these, guys, these guys don't want to put that time. You're right, man. The more time you go back and label things and see it over and over, it trains you. Your, you see different things, right? I mean, yeah. they, there's just um, – There are guys know. that swear by – what's it called? Huddle – Breakdown, right? Where you pay like thirty-five bucks yeah. a game. It's and called huddle assist. Oh, oh huddle assist. That's right. I'm sorry. Well, I've got a group of eight that I call huddle assist. That's right. <laughs> and here's the deal. I'm old-fashioned. I gotta write it down. Then I gotta enter it for it to stick in my mind. And then if it's stuck in my mind, then the kids got a good shot, and and our coaching staff has a good shot. And there are guys that swear by it and are highly successful, and it saves them time. I want to I want to watch every snap, every block, every front, um, if for no other reason than for my own sense of sanity. Um, you know, one of the things we talked about offensively earlier is trying to find. You know, sometimes when you, when you're new to a program you got to guess what they're going to play. Because everybody, they might be a 4-4 eight games a year. And then against you, they're going to jump to a 4-3 with two, two hard safeties down. And so now once you've played everybody once or twice and the coaching doesn't change that much, at least you've got a pretty good idea mm -hmm. of, who you're going to see, of what fronts you're going to see. And I think that helped us a lot year two. Yeah. In preparation. Yeah, well – 
that word preparation, that's the key, right? So when you watch it eight times, you're prepared. Well, you, let you somebody ought to else break it down for you. You ain't prepared. So that's I can tell you what we're doing wrong. That's for sure. I don't yeah, necessarily yeah. have the answer to how to <laughs> fix it, but I can tell you what we're doing wrong. Well, Coach, you, you've enjoyed great success over your career for sure. Um, you know, for the guy that's out there that's going to listen and, you know, maybe starting a program or – you know, he's in a situation where he's kind of trying to reset things. Maybe talk about one thing you've done in your program, maybe in the beginning or kind of early on, um, or maybe even recently with Warsaw that's contributed to, to your, you know, to the success, to the success you've had. Well, I think before, first and foremost, before you take a job or you even consider taking a job, you better be convinced that the people above you, your building level administrators, your superintendent and the school board have the same vision for the program that you do. Cause if you don't, it's going to be miserable for both of you. Okay. So I think that's, that's first and foremost, I, I believe this at the bottom of my heart, what I'm about to tell you, if a corporation wants football to be important or any sport or whatever, it will be important. They will find a way to make it important uh, either by getting rid of me and finding someone that fits their vision or by making it possible for to, to get all the imp impediments out of your way and to give you the support, not only financially, uh, but every, everything you need. And, and Warsaw has done that and Mishawaka did that and New Prairie did that. I've been very blessed to be at three places that, that really got it. So I think that's first and foremost. I would say the next, the next most important thing when taking a job is your staff. It is, you know, Coach Gies, Chris Giesman, who's a Hall of Fame legend up here from Penn High School in Osceola, Indiana, used to say, one great coach is worth five great players. And I didn't know what he meant when I first got into this. I thought, you know, you can win with talent. But I would far rather have one great coach than five great players. So I think surrounding yourself with people that uh, share your vision, that love kids, that are great teachers of the game, that are ethical guys. And here's the most important thing. I, and I ask every guy this when I uh, – or, or I in, insinuate it. I want guys that I can lose with, okay, if that makes sense. I can win. Anybody can win. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can take Joe shit the rag man off the street, right. bring him down to my staff, and – if things are going great, he's going to be a great guy. But who can you live with when it's time to bury yourself in the foxhole, circle the wagons, maybe you've lost a couple, three games in a row, and you're not going to uh, uh, give in on how you do things because you know they're the right way. Who, who's going to be that guy? You know, So those are the guys I'm looking for. And then I, I think probably facilities are, are ranked probably not even in the top five to ten. Um, I've seen great programs uh, with rotten facilities, but more often I've seen incredible facilities where, where nothing's getting done on Friday nights. So I think facilities don't even rank in the top 10. Um, nowadays, and we're in the process of, of changing strength coaches, I think the strength coach in your school is as vital a position, uh, might be head coach at B. You know what I mean? Yeah. He sees those kids 
all the time, every day. He's in charge of their strength, their health, their nutrition, uh, their injury level. I mean, having the right strength and conditioning coach is going to be really key for what we're trying to get accomplished here at Warsaw. So, so I would say those are, those are key things that anybody needs to consider. And then to add to that, Tony, uh, maybe as important, and it took me a while to do this, know, know what you want to do. Have an identity. Be who you are. And, you know, you have flexibility within that, but know who you are. And then set up expectations for everybody in the program. What can you live with? If you can't live with something, make a rule for it. If you can, you know what, it isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. So a question, did, did, did Warsaw make the commitment of the strength coach? Is that an Indiana State thing? What, what, uh... No, it, um, we, we've got a local hospital here that uh, uh, South Bend Orthopedics, uh, Kosciuszko Community Hospital that are very invested in our schools. And they are great, great supporters. And they provide uh, our strength coach for us, which is really nice. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And our current strength coach, who just retired probably about five, six weeks ago, took a job, at, moved to Fort Wayne, got married. So he was driving one hour every, every uh, one way every day. Yeah. Uh, he, he took another position outside of, of athletics. So the position that's currently open is going to be a huge, huge hire. Yeah, we, we um, so, so our trainers are sort of sourced that way, but we don't, we don't have strength coaches. Um, really? No, we, I wish we did. I mean, like you said, that you're right, it's probably 2B when you're looking at, yeah. you know, besides an O-line coach, right? Like, I mean. O-line secondary, yep. Yeah, you know, but. I just was curious to see if it was a commitment from the schools, districts, and systems in Indiana, or if it's a local thing or what, because we, you know, for us, I guess we'd have to probably, it'd have to probably be built into the budget, I guess. Uh, anyway, boy, it'd be, be great if we could, uh, if we could well, have something like that, just, you know, guy, I mean, this, you know, I mean, not, not just for football. for everybody. No, yeah. all day. Yeah, yeah. Before school, during school, yeah. after school, summers. Um, you know, the strength coaching positions here in Indiana have really taken off in just the last five to seven years. Yeah. We've got guys north of here who have hired full-time guys and made them administrators, oh, put them wow. on 161 day uh, contracts, wow. pay them an incredible amount of money and they do an incredible job. Right. Uh, you know, and, and that's kind of the wave of the future. And, you know, we are very, very uh, fortunate and blessed that we've got somebody uh, that's willing to do that um, in support of the school system. Hey, Coach. So, go yeah. ahead. Well, I would just – I'm just, you know, I'm – I, mean, I said SBO and I meant OPS. Yeah. <laughs> earlier. Yeah, right. No, but, I, you know, um, yeah, I just uh, – I may um, I may take some notes on how you guys do that because um, I, I can't imagine if a hospital system in your area is helping 
put a strength coach in your building for, you know, X number of hours a day, I don't see why that couldn't happen somewhere else. Right. So. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, not, and like I said, our athletic trainers are sourced that way. Uh, they're, they're out, you know, the Bon Secours and, uh, uh, which is a hosp local hospital system here does they they send those out so I mean be you know I can't imagine it'd be that difficult to send that strength coach out because right right yeah it's doing rehab or something I don't know anyway thank you though I appreciate that yeah, you betcha I did I was a strength coach for fourteen years I'll tell you that <laughs> well yeah well yeah we all are right I mean absolutely. Just, you live in there and we all do uh, and not that I would want to not do that but it's hard to keep current on everything, right? So if I want to be current on, you know, football and practice drills and all that, or team management or leadership, it's hard to come back and then be, you know, great with weights and everything else. You know what I mean? So you got to kind of, it'd be, you know, anyway, I don't want to hijack the podcast <laughs> oh, no. and all no. that, but Appreciate I, it, man. Know, it's just, it, it just what it, it just is what it is. You know? Yeah. Coach, I want to ask you a question um, about football um, uh, football camp back in the day, man. We used to come up to Indiana and uh, uh, go against you guys at Mishawaka and stuff. Um, there was one thing you guys did that used to bug the crap out of me, and I, I didn't understand it until I, I think I talked with Buddha, and he explained it to me. It's called the rolling snap count. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Well, I, don't, I, I would like to think that we don't roll on the snap count. I've been told we do. And we have since – actually come up and we actually get into our four-point stances and then the quarterback we're no huddle team the quarterback calls the play so we have virtually eliminated that but in the day and I know what you're talking about we would snap down on down and sometimes our hips would move forward a little bit but here's the deal if all five old linemen leave on the T of set if your cadence is down set hit and they all leave on the tee of set as the ball's being snapped, you know, that's – they're all getting off at the same time. But, yeah, we caught a lot of crap for that. About Coach, all, all them kids were ready to get back on the bus. They were, they were having meltdowns. They were like, they're cheating. This is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> well, there's a few of those kids, they'd snap down with their one hand or two hands, and then they'd start to kind of nudge forward as the quarterback was making his – yeah, we, we – We've eliminated that completely by coming up and getting set. We had way too many five-yard penalties for my liking, so we <laughs> that's a thing of the past. <laughs> well, uh, staying with the uh, camp real quick, uh, back, back in those days, went to the Indiana Wishbone Camp, right? And uh, back in those days, they, they made you do a camp defense, right? It was like a 4-3 or something like that. Yes, it was. Uh, but now, you know, uh, we were speaking earlier about, um, you know, uh, breaking film down, I'm sure you get a bunch of film on spread guys, and you're like, man, I have no idea how these guys are going to line up against us, and you got to speculate a little bit, you know. You do. Uh, you're doing a camp, um, you said uh, RMT, right? And uh, TNT. I'm sorry, TNT. TNT. Yeah, triple, TNT. Mid, triple midline and toss. And the curriculum, we, we tried to take everything that was really good about Indiana Option Camp and tailor the curriculum down to what are we really seeing and what are we really – what's the skill set of all positions to run this offense. And 
So we have thrown out any of the pass blocking drills. We've thrown out any of the, the pulling drills. So we, we've got a great curriculum of six to eight stations that the O-line do. Still do Bama drill. Uh, still do mesh work and steps. Uh, but one of the things I think the big difference is practice one is triple versus a 4-2. Practice two is triple versus a 4-3. Practice three, and plus you're reviewing them, practice three is midline versus a 4-2. Practice four, uh, or I'm sorry, triple versus a 4-3. Practice four, midline versus a 4-3. Practice five, um, triple versus an odd front, usually a 3-4. And then a complementary play, practice six, Rocket toss against everything. Okay, so you can see that rather than just having one camp defense, we're having to teach, okay, hey, this, this day you're going to be in a 4-2. Next practice you're going to be in a 4-3. Um, so, yeah, we've tried to streamline that curriculum down a little bit. Man, I can't tell you how beneficial that, that uh, camp is, too. It's just, you know, um, I remember getting into a game in the season and um, – you know, we didn't expect to see a, a bear front, you know, but I was able to say, hey, remember at camp, that team yes, we yes. played, ran the bear, or whatever, and we just, you know, rolled with it, you know what I mean? And uh, uh, it, those camps are so beneficial, man. Love that you guys do that. Yeah, it is. It's, and this is our – this will be our eighth summer running the TMT camp. Now, do you guys uh, do it at like a, a college like Taylor University back in the day, or do you like go to somebody else's school, or like how do you how do you do it now? We went to Trine the first five years, which is up in Northeast Indiana, and the last two years we've been at Manchester University, and we'll go back there this summer as well. And so, like a team, like if somebody's listening in, in in your neck of the woods, like so they could, or even if they want to travel, right? I mean, you're just oh, like. Yeah. You're, We've got her on Heights who drives eight hours from Canada down to uh, down to our camp every summer. When is it, Coach? July eighteenth, nineteenth, and twentieth. So we go two practices on Saturday, three on Sunday, and then come back with two on on Monday. Gotcha. I tell you, we, we came up from Florida, and it was just what an experience. We had kids that never been out of state, never traveled. They got they ate the best they ever ate. You know what I mean? They always feed you oh, great. I, I remember the ice cream machine, Coach. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I'll tell you, Manchester's got good food too. Yeah, they, and, they do. And then just to hang out with you guys and 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 uh, the camaraderie, you know, is just it's just awesome. You know, it's it's it is. It's been. That is, you know, I, t I think our coaches do a really good job of sharing athletes and promoting them and making it schedule-wise possible to do two or three sports. And Because summers can be crazy, you know? Yeah. Well, one of the things we've done is, hey, July 18th through the 20th, that is probably our most important three days of the summer. And then the other coaches will try to work around that. Then they'll say, okay, well, hey, I really need the guys June 18th through the 22nd. I'm taking them to a basketball camp. Well, I'm not going to schedule anything then, you know, that week other than lifting. Right. So, uh, and in Indiana, they let you, 
Indiana, they let you put gear on, helmets, shoulder pads, and girdles 12 times. Of those 12 times, five of them can be with or against another school. So they've kind of loosened the, uh, the reins a little bit, and, it, and it's important that our coaches within our associations stay within those guidelines so we don't lose them. Right. Yeah, that's important because being able to do that, particularly in the summer, is real. I mean, I, you know, we we here we can't we can't we have to go to a camp, right? So, like if we go to an ODU or college team camp or like your camp, right? So we could do we could do it then, but like we couldn't actually have anything like that in Virginia. Um, so that's I mean that's big time, really, if you think about it. So it is. It is. Coach, one final question before we kind of let you roll here. I know it's okay. getting late. Um, but, but thinking back to the beginning, right, you're, you're starting to flex bone, whether you're at Warsaw or wherever, okay? Um, give the listeners who, who might be starting out on their own path for installing flex bone, uh, maybe a few pointers that you, you know, you'd talk about to kind of help them build confidence in the offense. I think it's imperative if you're going to do this, Matt, that you've got to do it at all levels, okay? So right now, if you come to Warsaw, our young Tigers are all lined up the flex bone, and obviously they're not running everything we run, but they, are, they know how to run triple. They know how to run dive. Both of our middle schools are in that, and obviously our freshman JV and our varsity team. But I think you've got to, A, commit to it, and don't turn back. I think it's very difficult to – marry this offense with something else. I've tried it and it was, I was miserable. The kids were miserable and it was ugly. So I think you either do it or you don't. I think that's first thing. Second thing, don't get so caught up in maybe what somebody else is doing. Do what's comfortable for you. So if you only want to run maybe two read plays and everything else is something that looks like triple, for heaven's sakes, do that. Don't, you know, try to get – we want to be really good at about five things and okay at about five others when it comes to our offense. Does that make sense? Yep. Rather yep. than being just okay at 12 to 15 things. You know what I mean? We, we, we think it's imperative for us to really master five concepts and plays and be able to run those five things against anything we could possibly see. So stay in the course. Um, you know, we used to say teach midline first because it's an easier read. I'm not, and I'm not anti-midline, but my thoughts have kind of swung the other way. Let's triples our number one play inside Veer. So that's the first thing we're going to install. And we're going to install it against everything we think we see. We're going to make it as hard as possible. And now when he does do midline, it's like, oh, my gosh. This yeah, is yeah. easy, you know. Yeah, easy. Right. Kind of, that, my thought has kind of switched over that. Um, the other thing I think is imperative, and I would do this if I coached a school of 300 or 3,000, and I'm talking offense only right now, you got to have two O-line coaches. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, a, because, they're, you know, the majority of our kids, we have an 80-man roster, 75-man roster, whatever, 30 of those kids are probably old linemen. So you've got the most kids. You could split it up scoop side, 
and play side or attack side. You can go center and guards versus tackles and, and, and that third lineman, tight end or whatever he, whatever he happens to be. Um, Michael, my, my son, who's the offense coordinator, and Brady Jones do a really nice job of complementing each other, working together. Uh, and, boy, you know, they are – when they hit the field, they're ready to go. I mean, they've got their drills figured out. Um, the other thing I would do that I think we do a good job of is grading your kids, okay? I know some people think it's a waste of time. The game's over. Put it on the shelf. Our kids expect grades no later than Monday when they walk in the locker room. And oftentimes we grade them with them, but oftentimes we don't. First three games, we don't. We grade them. We sit down with them. We show them. And I really believe it not only makes your kids better, but I think it makes your coaches so much better because you know they are watching every snap X amount of times, every step, and they have to write comments in and give, like our defensive guys use plus, minus, and zero. Our old line uses zero, one, two, and three, I think, is like you did everything right and lay the guy out. They chart pancakes. They chart knockdowns. Um, so I think it's important that you create the culture within uh, the offensive line as kind of the team within the team. That's awesome stuff right there, Coach. You don't yeah. use huddle, you don't just use huddle assist to break it down, right? That's no, what we learned today. <laughs> I'm not I'm not knocking huddle assist or anybody that uses it. I'm just saying that doesn't work for me. Yeah. No, no. There's something too going over and over and over, man. The yep. more the more you look at it, the more more things you see, the more you learn, and about yourself. That's that's important. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what uh, yeah. I mean, you you want to be able to coach the details of your own program. So I think it's important to know what you're doing. Absolutely. Good at. Something else that just came to my mind, and we do this starting in about February. We take the four defenses that gave us the biggest problem, and we'll spend February on one of them, March on one of them, April on one of them, May on one of them. And the guys have assignments and things they got to – so I know they've watched it when they come into the meeting that we'll meet at the end of the month, and we will – virtually put in a game plan. What did we do right? What did we wrong? What should we have done? Um, why did this play succeed? Why did it fail? So we kind of take, it's kind of like an old car. We take the wheels off, we take the doors off, we take the engine out, and then we clean the parts, put new parts in where they're needed, and then we try to put the automobile back together. That's a really, that's a really good idea. I have not, uh, we've, yeah, that's good. We, we do that, but not on that's, that's a good way to do that actually, because the more you take time with it, the more you can really drill down on what needs to be done. That's really good. Well, if you wait till the week of against a really good defense and yeah, you're in trouble, you're in trouble, you're in trouble. Unless this can't help you there. <laughs> yeah. I'm just messing around, Coach. <laughs> well, Coach, it's been great having you, man. Really appreciate you coming on, talking with us. It's been fun. Um, hey, it's an honor and a privilege. God, I hope, you know, we're all in good shape for the fall. I mean, who knows? But, uh, <laughs> who knows? But, but hopefully we get to wish you good luck, Coach. Well, I appreciate it, and good luck to both of you guys. And like I said, this is a huge honor and privilege. I appreciate you taking an hour out of your time to think that I might have something to share. Oh, Coach, the honor's all ours. We really appreciate it. Yeah, you're the man, Coach. I appreciate you, brother. Hey, you betcha.
Have a good one. That's going to wrap this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. You can download or listen to our podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or the Google Podcast app. You can go on and rate us if you think we're any good and leave us some comments that you might think uh, you'd like to hear about in future episodes. Again, I'm Matt McLeod. You can reach me on Twitter at RunTheTriple. Again, that's at RunTheTriple. Our Mesh Point podcast uh, has its own Twitter page, and that is at the Mesh Point. Again, at the Mesh Point. You can also find me on FlexBoneNation.com. Have an option blog there and write articles in that place uh, that can help you out particularly during the season. All right, Tony, I want you to let the listeners know how they can get you on social media. All right, guys, go to Three Face Football on Twitter at Three Face Football, and uh, you'll you'll be able to follow my account. And um, the cool thing about it is, is every Monday we do something called Mesh Point Monday, and basically I'll post out four questions concerning a triple option topic. It's a great opportunity for coaches all around uh, the country and uh, to, to get together and network and and uh, get to know each other and you know talk about some kind of triple option topic. So catch uh, catch that every Monday, eight o'clock Eastern. And uh, what you want to do is search the hashtag MeshPoint to see everybody's responses uh, to to the four questions. Uh, like I said, great great way to uh, build our networks and, and and learn some things. It's like an ongoing webinar on Twitter, so it's real cool. Also, check out the website, threefacefootball.net. Uh, we've got some cool gear, like Fear the Veer, you'll see in the background here. Uh, Fear the Veer stuff, uh, mesh point gear, and, and other things like that. So uh, go check out that website as well.